Hey guys, we're here. Uh, Jake and I are here for uh, VP Precision episode number eight, and we have just gotten back from a few matches. We're gonna talk about that and a few other things. How's it going, buddy? Oh, really good. Been a busy week since I got back, but it was good to get out and shoot some matches. Yeah, you just are celebrating a little anniversary, huh? Uh, yeah, anniversary with wife and I. We had our thirteenth cool. anniversary yesterday. Right on. Today's Tuesday, so we. Awesome. Uh, I had an anniversary on Monday. I flew back, and we had a good, uh, a really good time yesterday, and went to dinner, and cool. had some good stuff going on. Right on. Well, congrats. Keep it up. Hopefully, it's many more. So, anyway, um, the let's talk about. Let's see. Let's roll right into kind of match discussions. You just got back from Colorado. I went up to uh, flew over to Calgary, Alberta um with a bunch of good guys up there that we'll talk about and had a there was a prs match up there you were at an nrl match in colorado so tell me i haven't heard a lot about this so i'm excited about this too because well, i always like to ask questions and ask how matches went so a lot of these details i haven't heard so i'm excited to hear about your match which you pulled off a big win i think you had a i think you won by a pretty good margin and it sounds like you shot really really well so i'm excited to hear about it you, you told me you had some problems so I, I don't know what those are yet so i'm excited to hear about it so anyway, so tell me, so uh, a couple, any, was travel pretty straightforward for you? Yeah, travel was good, real easy. I got this new suitcase, which is basically like a Pelican box and it's probably oh, nice. 20 inch. It's like a 20 inch square is what it is. And I throw all my stuff in it. Oh, cool. Well, I get to the airport and I'm like 10 pounds over because this box is so darn heavy. I was just going to ask how heavy is it, but <laughs> never I gotta, mind. <laughs> I got to take all this stuff out, throw it. I got to carry it on. Oh, I was thinking, man, I could I could throw everything in there. Well, it didn't work out very well, so okay. I had to I had to carry on a bunch of stuff. Um, I kind of overpacked. Okay, and you know when you're going to another place, Colorado yep. or Canada or California yep. or Texas, whatever, yep. uh, you got to try to figure out what in the world am I going to bring. It's a lot easier when I shoot a match like the Rock Lake NRL match uh, coming up here in September or end of August, September, I got my truck. I'm 15 minutes away from the range, so I literally bring whatever I want. Exactly. It's completely different when you're traveling. So you have to really uh, pack wisely and figure out what you want to bring. Obviously, you got to bring your your, uh, binos and your uh, Kestrel and all your ammo and your tripod, all that kind of stuff, which is going to – uh, help you do well in that match, but yeah. you, know, you really have to pack wisely. So yeah, all my stuff turned out um, uh, turned out to be just under the limit after I threw some stuff in my carry. So you're you're saying um, you didn't pack very wisely to start with? Is that what I'm hearing? <laughs> that's that's exactly what okay. I said. Okay. And uh, yeah, I just I just had way too much stuff, and the combination of getting this new suitcase, okay, which was already like seven and a half or eight pounds heavier, and I just didn't. Okay. think it, it would make a difference i had a 70 pound weight limit um but it did and Dude, I was you were a you were 10 over your 70 pound yeah i was 80.5 <laughs> pounds okay I, when i showed up i was 80.5 i thought you were talking there. about it. i thought you flew uh i thought <laughs> you flew with a 50 pound limit i was like okay well 60 pounds that's reasonable but 80 dude holy no, I smokes was 80. i threw everything in there apparently I was like, it was such such a big, you know, <laughs> container, such a big luggage. I was like, I got more room. Let's throw another <laughs> pair of pants in. I got more room. Let's take two pairs of boots. But it didn't work out. Okay, um, so anyway, that's I had to throw some boots in my backpack. I okay. carried my tripod on. I I had to grab a coat out of there. And, you know, when you're 
going to a place like Colorado last year, if you remember, we were there and it absolutely poured on Friday. Yep. Um, That's right. And so I was, I was like, okay, I'm bringing my rain gear because yep. it could pour, even though it says it's not going to, it very well could. Yep. Uh, I brought all that stuff. Um, it was hot as could be. It, it, we didn't need it anyway, but. Yeah, was so it was it weather really was weather similar to last year? Like where it was just baking like nineties and windy and hot and just man, it's it's so hot. And one thing that yeah, I was telling um, a friend is you know when you are at that uh, particular match or a match like that when when you when you're eight or so stages in on a day yeah, those last two or three or four stages are really tough one because yep. it's you're just drained you're mentally drained you're physically drained yep. and so th- i actually was able to shoot really well in the last uh three or four stages of each day and i was able to keep with it mentally nice. and keep with it physically and so i was able to gain some points on the rest of the field because uh a lot of people started off strong and especially in our squad and mm. we had a pretty good squad of shooters and so we had yeah you know guys that were only down seven or eight shots over the first seven or eight stages and they were shooting good a lot of good cleans and a drop one and a clean and a drop two and a clean nice Um, and so and then we started to kind of get to the heat of the day and then all of a sudden it was drop four have a bad stage drop six have another bad stage drop four yeah and then you, you you started to see the separation there and it was it was very interesting to see it was the first time i really thought about it like that but hmm. Um, do you think you know, that you was, did you think that was fr- mainly from, uh, just being extra tired because the heat or do you think wind picked up or a combination or was it, you, do you, was think, it more visible to you because of the weather this time or, or what? I think the wind was, um, you know, about consistent all day long. It was really hot yeah. and it's funny too, when, you know, when we, when we get in our mind that we're tired and that we're done, yeah. uh, we kind of, we kind of physically check out. And so I, I remember, I'm not going to say his name cause he, and he already knows who he is. So <laughs> we're on like stage eight or nine and he's like, man, I'm just exhausted. I just want to go sit in the hotel. Yeah. Well, at that point you already know that that particular person's checked out and he's yep. not going to have a, a bunch of good stages in a row. Yeah. So, um, and sure enough, <clears throat> it came down and on the ninth stage you dropped four or five and on the 10th stage you dropped three or four and he probably you know he had dropped seven or eight points up till you know a stage seven or eight and then he dropped another 15 points over the last four stages oh that's it brutal a, it was a complete um you know change in the mindset based off of either how tired he was or how miserable but i like shooting the miserable stuff so if it's raining yeah i want to yeah. shoot if it's um cold i want well i don't like shooting in cold but um <laughs> if it's you know if it's yeah. miserable in, in some capacity i don't mind it i'll yeah. i'll tough it out and yeah. do it and and go from there and just try to stay with it mentally because that's how most of that stuff is, is yeah. it's a mental that's a good way a to th- yeah that's a good way to think of it because if you can if you can push through i've been in some really nasty matches earlier this year with rain and stuff and i was just like you knew if you could stay extra focused that that's going to be, you know, your feet squish, you know, squishing in your boots and water running down your back. And <laughs> when you kneel down, it runs up your leg and you just, you know, if you can not let that bother you, that it's going to bother, maybe not everybody, but it's going to bother some people and that can give you an edge. So I thought that I thought about that early in the year with the really nasty weather, but that's a good, 
yep. it's a good thing to remember for yourself when you're starting to, you know, starting to fade a little bit is like, Hey, you know, a couple more stages, really that extra effort to stay focused and really come up with a wind plan and a stage plan and, and visual, yep. continue to visualize those stages. Cause that's super important. I think you're totally right. I did the same thing. I made a, a mental mistake at the end of day two. I caught, I caught it, but, um, it cost me one. Um, yep. but it was, you know, it happened and in, in a big match, that's a, that's a really big deal. So, right. um, anyway, that's, that's cool. Yeah. Back to a match recap. Yep. It was the high country precision match put on by Robert Quigley and Jeff Oder yep. um, from high country precision. This is a, a really good match in Colorado that the NRL has put on now for the third time. I tell you what, it's mm-hmm. a, it's a really tough match. And who, who, who's won that the last couple of years? Uh, the last, I don't know. Some jerk. <laughs> <laughs> I, I uh, just, just button in. Does Jake, Jake's three in a row at this match, which is, which is impressive. It's a tough match. So anyways, you, yeah. sorry. No, I just I had to throw it. that out there. That was, I, and I went the last two years and I have two second place finishes. So Jake burned it down. It was, uh, it's a cool <laughs> spot. I missed it this year, but anyway, keep going. Sorry about that. <laughs> um, yeah. So, the, you know, it's, it's a tough match. Um, lots of wind. It's a field match. It's not a, it's not a, 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 I don't know. I guess I'm going to call it like a pretty boy match, like on Mm -hmm. a manicured golf course range with concrete pads and everything, you know, gravel parking lots. That's not, that's not at all what this is. You're literally laying down and getting uh, a prickly pear cactus in your leg and you're laying down in dirt and sagebrush. So it's, it's a match where it, it, it tests, uh, it tests the shooter in a lot of different ways. And there's a few stages where I laid down and literally my elbow was in cactus. And I was like, what in the world is going on right now? And so you gotta, you, you know, you, you get up and now you're digging cactus out of your, your long sleeve shirt and out of your elbow yep. and it's just bugging you. And so you're trying to, you know, go that it's, it's a, a lot of fun. Um, very tough match. Yep. I, I was fortunate this week to shoot pretty well. Um, I ended up, uh, having a seven point lead over Nate Bell on day one. Okay. And then I ended up winning the match, I think by 11 or 12 shots overall, um, nice. after Sunday. So I was able to extend the lead a little bit. That's cool. Um, and shot pretty well on both days on, I had a couple really big mistakes that, um, they, they just cost me a lot of, a lot of points and a lot of time. And okay. so, Right. I was gonna maybe just you know yeah, run, talk, one, talk run through those. Saturday real quick. Was Saturday? Did you? Were any of them happen on Saturday, or was was that pretty a pretty solid day? Yeah. So one of them happened on Saturday towards the end of the day, and okay. and and what I was kind of dealing with is I have a a rifle here that I've shot a lot. I've used it a lot. It's it's worn in really nicely. Yep. Um, but it's also kind of wore out a little bit as well. Okay. And so I'm getting on. Uh, the stages and my brass isn't quite, uh, coming out of my action like it should. So my plunger, my spring plunger on my defiance deviant isn't, it's just a little bit wore out. And so what happens after you shoot it 1.2 million times. (laughs) (laughs) And so my brass isn't quite flinging out like it should. And I I realized at the last match, but I didn't have any problems at the last match, which was in Utah. Um, it was just perfect. It was fine. It, I yep. uh, didn't have any problems. So sure enough on Saturday, I had a round that basically stuck in the, in the chamber. It kind of flicked over 
and stayed there. And I went to put another case in, another round in. Oh, okay. Now I got two in there for yep. crying out loud. And so you, you got to drop a mag. Yep. You got to, you know, find that round that you just fed in there. You got to get rid of the old round. And that kind of stuff costs a lot of time and, and essentially will cost points on it. Well, we ran um, a, a minute, uh, we ran 120 seconds on day one and 105 seconds on day two. So okay. day one, it happened to me once and it, it forced me to miss out of the opportunity to shoot two shots. And so basically I timed out and I wasn't able to get those two shots off. Okay. <clears throat> and they were both shots that I thought were very uh, doable. Shoot. Um, and so I should have had a couple more points on day one, okay. um, but that's part of the equipment issue. Yep. Now, for whatever reason, and this is part of my mistake and my mental mistake is that for whatever reason, I didn't log that. I didn't think about that again. I just thought, okay, that, that was a malfunction. And I didn't really figure out, okay, let's go back to the bag, grab my rifle and we need to fix this so it doesn't happen again. I got spare parts in my bag, so oh, let's you just, just shot, fix it. Uh, you just thought you short stroked it or something. Or you didn't. I just, okay. I was, yeah, I was just doing. I was just thinking, okay, I still, you know, I got an eight out of ten on that stage instead of a ten out of ten. Let, let, okay, let's just go do well on the next stage. And yeah. I, for whatever reason, I didn't think about it. I should have. That was my fault. That was a mental mistake on my part, as far as making sure your gear is in order to not have any problems. And that's a huge part of this game is making sure your equipment works for you every single time and not have problems. Yep. Uh, Absolutely. How many times do we see magazine problems or feeding problems <laughs> or, you know, it's a non, it's a non stop. It's, yep. it's a non ending battle with the precision rifle game. And yep. the guys that don't have problems, they have more opportunity and more time to hit the targets than everybody else. And that's, yep. you know, knock on wood, I haven't had any problems. Um, well, I guess I, I, I say that yeah, you normally, I, I mean, you're normally everything's pretty flawless. Don't. You don't, you don't worry about that. So, so anyway, I went back, cleaned my rifle, had a pretty good, uh, pretty good lead on day one. And cool. then day two started, I went through a couple stages and this darn problem started to come back and it happened to me three stages in a row before I said, you know what? I'm done with it. I'm not going to do this. I'm going to figure something out. Oh yeah. I should probably change my spring because it's been run through maybe 150,000 times. So let's go ahead and, you know, change this over. And so I went to my bag, I changed it, but those three stages, you know, I pause. What, what parts I'm curious, this is for, I'm this selfish question. What was in your bag? What, what parts did you have? What tools did you have? What do you so carry with I you? I have a little jeweler's hammer. Okay. I have a couple punches. Okay. And I have a, a spare trigger, obviously. Mm-hmm. I have a, a bolt stop. That's another bolt stop. And okay. I have a firing pin. And I have a spring ejector and the claw extractor. So basically, Perfect. I can replace one full unit besides the actual bolt body, but that should never, ever break. That's no. pretty, pretty durable. Yeah. But I got an extra pin. I got a spring, I got a clamp, uh, a M16 extractor, and I I said, you know what? It's not pushing the case out enough. And so what happened is on three stages, I, I actually timed out because somewhere in the stage, I had to fiddle with something, and it cost me, let's just call it 15 or 20 seconds by the time you look over, figure out what's going on, drop your mag. Now you got a bullet in the dirt and you got to put that magazine back in. You got to grab your other mag, 
your other round that's still in the the gun, get it out of there. Mm-hmm. Um, so it happened to me three different times. I okay. probably lost between eight, you know, eight or ten shots. Um, not not saying impacts because I don't know if I would hit those or not, but eight or ten opportunities to hit a target because of that. Okay. Um, so just just a really poor poor choice and in, in in my you know i probably should have replaced that saturday night yeah. and so that was a, a pretty poor choice on on my part to not to not go through and fix that um for whatever reason i forgot about it i didn't do it um okay. but you know i was still i still was shooting well uh when i was pulling the trigger and so i had a and i had a cushion and i was able to extend the lead a little bit on um day two so okay. it was it didn't cost me, but it, it very well could have yeah, um, in for sure. a lot of different situations. Okay. Okay. So, so day two, what, um, what any stages stick out to you that, uh, that you particularly liked or, or were there any other lessons learned besides the spring or anything that sticks out to you like that? I really like this uh, match. One of the reasons I like it is because it's a super challenging match. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I was talking with a, you know, a buddy that I roomed with, Brian Pence there. And I mm-hmm. said, Brian, what, what stage – we shot 22 stages over the weekend. I said, what stages were, was like a gimme stage or what stages were fairly easy? And we couldn't think of one, not even one stage That's that was awesome. a gimme stage. And that's exactly how I feel this should be because you should have to earn every single shot. There shouldn't be just, okay, here, we're going to give you 10 points. Well, no one, no one earned it. Um, and so that's just, that's my opinion. That's how I, I feel matches should be run. They, they really think that through, um, they do a great job. Both Robert and Jeff do a really good job at, at knowing how to challenge you, whether it's a time-based challenge, a position-based challenge, or a targetry-based challenge, those are kind of the three challenges um, for a stage. Yep. You know, you should be able to have two of those three in every single shade. So maybe it's a quick time and tough targets, but the position's easy. Well, that's okay. Maybe it's a, a, a quick time and a tough target, you know, or whatever the combination yeah, is, yeah. you should be able to have three or two of those three things in there, um, to make it a good challenging stage. So that's that, good. Uh, you know, there's something for everyone there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think we could go into, I think we'll finish up match discussion, the discussion of these matches. I think we could talk about that a little bit more. Some of the, cause we yep. ran into that a little bit up in, uh, up in Alberta. And I've been talking with the match director up there too, is trying to find that balance of, of that. So let's dive into that here in a little bit. So, um, so did, uh, did you guys shoot 11 stages day one and 11 two, or did you split them up or we shot 12 on Saturday, we shot 10 on Sunday and the 12 on Saturday were all 120 seconds. The, uh, 10 on Sunday were 105 seconds. Okay. And so it kind of sped things up a little bit on that uh, day, but they do a lot of stuff like five positions uh, one shot at target a one shot at target B they're different distances. And okay. so they very rarely shoot the same target two times in a row. It's, you know, they, they, they really mix it up well in making you work, uh, every single position, every single shot, instead of just, here's a position, let's shoot 10 shots from one position. Yep. It, that's, 
ridiculous and boring yeah, so it's not gonna do that yeah yeah <laughs> no i've always been impressed with what those guys put together down there it's in, every stage is different challenging um did uh anything that you uh as far as like uh stages or things you feel like you want to practice more or anything that stuck out from this yeah i'll be practicing a couple things um and i have down in my in my notebook uh every match i go to and, and you know this yep. but maybe for some of the listeners Every time I go to a, a match, I have my little calculations of my wind, and I do little tally marks of uh, if I missed downwind, if I missed upwind, or if I pulled a bad shot. Those are the three reasons why you should miss a shot. You know, mm-hmm. obviously we don't want to miss shots, but those are the three yep. uh, possibilities we should. Um, and I pulled pretty good shots the entire weekend. One of them was a log stage, and it was an XLR uh you know stage and mm-hmm. you know big a big prop to the xlr guys they were the title sponsors of this match cool and so they they were there they sponsored it they went there and helped out and helped set stuff up and and work the match and so one thing that sticks out to me was one of their stages was over a log and because of the way the log was positioned and me being a lefty i just didn't get in the right position Mm -hmm. Uh, for that particular log so now that i'm back at the range i'm back home i'm going to set up some positions like that which kind of the log was facing about 30 degrees to my left and so it was facing that way really good for righties in that particular situation because they can kind of get nestled into the you know the big log in a certain fashion yeah because of how you know i'm a lefty i was shooting something a little bit awkward for me and it shouldn't it shouldn't have been awkward if i could have went and practiced it beforehand i would have figured it out but it's something that i'm going to go to the range i'm going to practice it i'm going to figure out those positions because i hadn't seen it before okay that's good some of the fun stages they had the one MOA stage, so they started at 300 and went to 800, and you're shooting one MOA popper targets. Ooh, that's dirty. And it's just <laughs> absolutely, it's it's brutal, especially when you're talking about that uh, high desert Colorado wind. Oh, yeah. They have uh, another stage that's a 10-inch target all the way from 100 yards all the way out to 1,000 yards, and it's hit to move on. Um, okay. And you got, you got your 10 shots, so if you clean it, it's going to be 10, but if wow. you, uh, if you miss any shots, you're just losing points. That's a super tough stage. Yeah. And I like those. And then they had, you know, a bunch of really cool, uh, uh positions and barricades and okay. rocks and tank traps and downhill shooting, uphill shooting, different slopes on your bipod and tripod, because it's a field match. You're going to get that. It's not always a, a groomed piece of grass or a perfect, you know, rooftop or whatever, you you actually got to figure out, okay, what am I going to use? And that's the the difference with some of the equipment. I was able to utilize a sky pod on some stages and it's a giant advantage having a lot of flexibility Mm. in that particular bipod. So, yeah. Okay. That's good stuff. Did, did you happen to look what the DA was? I'm just curious. Uh, the DA was, I thought it was 9,900. Okay. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, that's that the highest on, I've ever seen it. I was there. It was 10,000 last year. I was like, holy smokes. Yep. And it's, it's pretty high. I thought it was 9,900. 
cool. on Friday, and I did not check it. My Kestrel d- yeah. uh, did all the checking for me on Saturday and Sunday. You bet. Okay. I just um, was curious. I just That's still to this day. I was like, I remember one stage before I used a Kestrel, <laughs> I put my phone, I put the I checked the D8 10,000 before a long-range stage, and I I did a thousand in my phone. I missed a zero because I wasn't used to doing so many zeros, and I was uh, I was way what was that way over the targets? I believe I can't remember what it was. Yeah, I was way yeah. over them, and I, was, I could not figure it out because they were landing out in the sagebrush. Couldn't see it. So anyway, that's yeah, cool. Yeah, so it was a it was a really good match. Yeah. Uh, like like uh, the challenge up there. Big props to obviously XLR. They were the title sponsor, and yep. they do a lot for the shooting sports. For Blue sure. Mountain Precision was. I was fortunate to pick up uh, Blue Mountain Precision Rifles. Uh, that's Eric Anderson in Utah. That's awesome. He uh, built a really cool 7mm carbon fiber hunting rig. Oh, nice. It's just, it's all carboned out, proof barrel, and Sweet. all the goodies on it. And so props to him for, for stepping up and doing that for for the winner of the match. Yeah, it's, that's uh, way cool. It's, he it's, builds it's, awesome it's, stuff. He does a great job. Today. So that's way so, cool. What, Tell me about your match. Uh, looks yeah. like you went up there and absolutely wrecked shot. <laughs> it was a good one. What was uh, real quick? Who got who got second, third? I, I can't remember. I didn't. Did so, Zach get second? So second place was Zach Carter. I actually shot awesome. with Zach. Oh, cool. And he shot very good on day two, and it was good to be able to help him and talk to him about some stages. Um, he's just a cool dude, kind of down to earth and. And, you know, we had a good time shooting together. Uh, awesome. Yeah, he's super cool. Was, was a guy named Sheldon Nolos. Oh, and that's right. And he's in here as well. Yeah, good for him. So that's awesome. really well. Cool. Okay, right on, right on. I just was – I knew – I saw their names. I could. I didn't – wasn't – can't remember what order. But, yeah, both really super yep. – really good dude. So that's awesome. Cool. Yeah, so I just uh, – uh, you took off Thursday and so did I just a short flight up to, um, up to Calgary. And it was, uh, I was up in Cal- Alberta last, uh, November hunt mule deer. And uh, this uh, guy named Sean Redman was, um, was my guide and this match came up and he called me right away. So it was announced or shot me a text. Hey, would you come up for this match? And, and he was like, well, we'll figure everything out. And I was like, yeah, you bet. So I signed up, um, Flew up there, did some, I think, flying. There's one Canadian form you print off. You fill out all your gun information. I just jumped on a plane like normal. Um, flew straight into Calgary. Really straightforward and simple. Went through customs, no problem. You know, they go, they check the, they don't even look at the gun. They look at my paperwork. They stamped it, paid them 20 bucks, and then rock and roll. And the fastest time I've ever got through. That's uh, pretty quick. It was quick. Coming home. Not so much, but anyway, um, got stuck at a waiting for a cop to show up for almost an hour and a half, but, um, on the way there, super easy. So that was cool. Sean and his, uh, his, uh, significant other, I think her, Adora, I can't ever say it right. Um, um, Adara is, is eight months pregnant. They roll up, pick me up right at the airport and, um, we rolled down there. They had an awesome fifth wheel. We stayed at a stayed at a cool um like by this lake up there it's beautiful Great. weather with uh chad and landon and brandon and saul and just a bunch of guys i know i'm missing a few i'm sorry i just um it was hard to keep everybody straight met a lot of new faces but super cool guys really hospitable um so that was a super easy way to go shoot a match getting you know normally we're dragging our stuff to the rental car and finding a hotel and this was a really laid back set by the lake and a really good time so really thanks to those guys for doing that really appreciated it um 
the match there wasn't so there's some big you know big matches in the states so not a lot of there's a handful of americans so a lot of canadians and, and this sport's definitely newer up there this is the first uh prs match kind of on the western side of of, of canada there's one over on the on the east coast meaford for a few years but this is kind of getting going over here so this is the first first prs match and so a lot of guys new to this they've done a little bit of club level and some other stuff so this is pretty early for a lot of these guys um and i just you know it was uh ryan ryan mclean uh and rob furlong were the match directors it was it was at rob's range uh ryan mclean was the md and set everything up does a does a killer job um I mean, I think we could, we'll talk about that more about the, the stage design, but he did a really, really good job, really diverse, uh, course of fire, really challenging. I, I mean, it would have been a great finale type of a match and that's, that's how difficult a lot of the Canadians were walking up to me and saying, um, you know, Hey, is, how does this compare? And they kind of had this worried look on their face. Cause some of the, you know, it was some tough stages and, and I felt for, you know, felt for some of them cause some of it was pretty tough. It was real hard to see, see misses. If you didn't see your trace, uh, you, you know, that grass just ate, ate the bullets. If you miss the target where they landed, you see nothing. Uh-huh. And so, so they were, they were curious and I, and I was just kind of explaining to them that, you know, there's, there's, tough matches in the States and there's easy matches in the States. Um, this would rank as one of the tougher ones. And, and I just had one of those weekends where everything was just hammered. I got my new, you know, gun from Joe Walls, new Dasher, and it's just crushing. Um, it, I don't know. It's, you know those weekends where you shoot and there's those targets. We all have this, you know, the targets where we should hit. A positional, it's a, a decent-sized target. If you make a good wind call on a pull, you can hit it. And there's other targets where, that are small and a long ways away and – it, no matter how good a trigger pull or wind guess you make, there's still there's a decent chance you're going to miss it, just yep. because it's it's tough to hit tiny targets a long ways away with switchy winds. And I just was one of those weekends where my bullets were just stacking, and so I would I'd get first shot impacts on some small targets and follow up, and it would hold. And so a lot of things went my way. Um, I felt really good. I had taken some time off. Um, canceled a few matches and got a lot of work caught up and got caught up with family. And so I felt mentally I was ready to go where I, I you know, to be honest, I, the last few was getting, getting a little burned out with, you know, driving and, and not so much burned out, but just, I was so far behind at home that it was, it was in my head and yeah. I love shooting, but, um, I was definitely up in my head a little bit. And so this felt really good. Like I went up there when, you know, when work's caught up and everything's good at home, you just feel, you know, it's a lot more fun to go compete. And it was just a, it was a good time to go up there and, and it was good. I burned it down. <laughs> That's awesome. So what was, uh, you know, you said there was some, some good courses of fire and yep. that kind of stuff. And I've talked to a couple other people, um, and they said the match was a ton of fun, very challenging. They had a great time. Yeah. Um, you know, what were some of the stages that you saw up there that, uh, you know, that uh, you really had a good time shooting. Yeah, just um, kind of the way he set thing up, there was never a stage that was the same, you know, weird orders, you know, near to far, and then you move positions and then far to near, and you'd move another position, and it was it was the middle target, the near target, the far target. You know, you're constantly changing orders, changing positions, doing holdovers. Um, a couple that stick out to me, and it's kind of a carryover from your match when you ran that color stage where you had to jump down, draw a color, and shoot the coordinated target. Um, they, they did one of those, which I really liked. There was the, the way they did it. There was a deck of cards the the RO had. Um, you would there was a spit tire. You would start 
start on one side of the tire and then he would pull a card and tell you the color and there was four targets there was a red was a close one then yellow then blue and then orange and it was from about 350 yards no was that four i can't remember anyway somewhere three four hundred yards out to about 900 yards and it was 12 rounds and it was two hits to move on so you could re-engage but you had to hit it twice, and as soon as you hit it twice, you would switch to the other side of the tire, and then the R would draw another card. They would just shuffle every time. So you could technically draw the 900-yard target over you know, a couple times, depending on how the card shuffled. So it was interesting. You never knew how it was going to go. Um, you know, That's a super fun stage because it's a little tough to plan. You just write your dope down and think fast and memorize the target locations and try to get on them quick because you've got you know, you're moving potentially six – you know, back and forth, back and forth. You got a minute. All the part times were a minute forty-five, um, and you got twelve rounds. And anyway, that was a fun one. The the way he set up the mover was interesting. Um, usually, mover to me, movers are a little boring generally from what I've seen because it's here's a static target. Shoot that once. Now shoot the mover ten times. And honestly, I think that's a really boring way to shoot. Like if I hit it three times in a row or five times, like I don't need to shoot it ten times in a row. Um, this, he would have, it was, there was, um, I can't, one day it was, he changed it. He changed it. Like first day, the mover was slower and then there's, and then day two of the stage was all, let's turn it up or something. So they cranked up the speed. So it was faster. You had to start, uh, I think once there's an 800 yard plate, you started on that hit to move on. So you hit that, then you come down to the mover and you hit it and it's hit to move on. And then you just go back and forth. So if someone finally hits the static and then they come to the mover, and they miss it three or four times, which it was tricky. I missed some, some shots on that. It was about 500 some yards, but it was, a the wind was weird. It was, we got a little tailwind. It was really getting me on the, on the day two. And if you didn't hit that, you couldn't see where your bolt landed because it went down over a hill. So, you, you know, you couldn't see where you were missing unless you saw trace. And so, you're doing some guessing and, and so you get your hit on the mover, then you go back, you know, you dial back out to 800. And so it really put in some different dynamics where, you know, you dial, I had to dial my wind in for the mover and then remember what to hold because now some of your winds dialed in for your 800 yard and you got a whole, anyway, it was just, just interesting dynamics that I didn't see. And it was definitely difficult. It was an advanced match for sure. It challenged me. So I can only imagine like what some of these newer guys were thinking. And I hope, you know, I, I, I know some guys got beat up, but I hope they, I think a lot of them had fun. I talked to a lot of them, said they had a good time. It was challenging. And I know some guys, you know, definitely weren't happy with their performance, but, um, and I hope they can take away, you know, some, some, some things they learned. I, I talked to, uh, you know, one of the guys who was, I don't know if I say his name, but he was, he was particularly disappointed, but he also saw some things he could work on. So that's, I mean, that's all you can ask for after getting beat that's up. Right. So, um, I just a really, a really fun match. Kdex was the Kdex defense was the, the key sponsor there. Um, they were cool. They brought out a, um, a really cool rifle and loophole put a scope on that that I was able to win. I was really excited about that. It's a six five yeah. six five creed, really cool. So um it that was really that was fun. And then um I don't I don't know, man. It was a it was uh it was a weird it was a weird match for me because I knew I mean I don't wanna the last thing I want to do is come off sounding cocky or whatever, but you, it, there's a handful of guys that 
you're, you're really looking out for when we travel around, you know, you and I talk about like, there's, there's some, uh, there's a handful of guys that are really good. And so we kind of keep an eye out, you know, well, do we get to shoot against these guys? And, it, and it's fun to shoot against them. The top level guys, there's a lot of great shooters, but there's some guys that really consistently shine. And I knew there wasn't going to be, I knew those guys weren't going up there this weekend. I, it, you know, and it, this doesn't happen hardly ever. So it was a, it was a weird feeling for me yeah to be that relaxed at a match where it just felt it was actually really fun. We, I mean, we barbecuing steaks in the evening and just really relaxed and having a good time and showing, you know, work on how to run a Kestrel. And, you know, if anyone had questions, it was fun to answer questions and fun to talk to guys. These Canadians are awesome. They're super friendly guys, super welcoming. Um, and so it was a really different dynamic from any match I felt because I didn't feel the pressure from the guys that I know down here. I was, I didn't know who was up there, so I was worried, but, um, you know, about that, but then my normal guys, it was pretty, it was an interesting feeling. So I don't know. It was the kind of the first time I'd ever experienced that of being, uh, you know, pretty laid back at, you know, at a major two day. Mm-hmm. So I, I hope that doesn't come off the wrong way. It was just different for me. So it was, a, it was, it was fun and I, I don't want that to come off the wrong way, but it was, no, I don't, I don't think it's going to come off the wrong way at all. And bottom line is no matter what match it is, you just got to go out and shoot your best, right? Yep. It's, you yep. know, you're not necessarily, you are shooting against everyone else. It is a competition, yep. but if you're out there and you're just shooting to do your best, that's all you can really uh, yep. control. And so yep. it doesn't matter who's there. It doesn't matter if there's, you know, 10 or 15 top level shooters or three top level shooters, you just got to go and you mm-hmm. shoot your game and anyone can have a good week. And so it's just about being as consistent as possible. And that's what, you know, that's what you're able to uh, uh, demonstrate up there. So yeah. good on you. Yeah. Yeah. It was fun. It was, it was fun to use it as really, you know, work on some, some mental side of things I've been working on. Um, and uh, it was good. It was good. I had a really good time. Thanks to those, Canadian guys, they run the, the, it's called the Saparel. The guys I stay with are the Southern Alberta Precision Rifle League, and they got a really cool league, a great place to shoot. And, and it was, I really appreciate those guys welcoming there and being super cool. So, um, Love it. yeah, I got a, Brandon gave me a ride back. So we wrapped up Sunday, uh, kind of determining what to do. Found a good hotel right there by the airport in Calgary and Brandon lives there and he was super cool. He's like, Hey, jump in with me. I'll go through there. And he dropped me off really stress-free and got you know, get cleaned up and a pretty, you know, besides getting stuck at waiting for this, the, I, they were confused. They didn't know what to do with guns. So, um, besides getting stuck with the airline people forever, uh, it was, it was a pretty, uh, pretty easy travel. Um, not a big deal going to Canada with a gun. Um, just do the paperwork and it's pretty straightforward. So I had a, I had a really good time. So awesome. Well, you've shot three matches in Canada. Is that correct? Yeah. Two, uh, two of the Meaford ones last year and the year before, and then this year in, um, in Alberta. So a lot further West than the Meaford match. Okay. Yeah. So, right on. Good. Yep. Well, that's awesome. Yep. Yeah, I, I hope to get up there at some point as well. That'd be fun. Yeah, no, you should. We there's we had some discussions. You know, I think they're going to do this again. Um, and if you know schedules work, we definitely should take a crew up there. It'd be, I think it'd be kind of fun to take. I talked about this with the guys, man. If we could get, you know, you know, guys like you, and we could go up there and and maybe we also, you know, just split apart in different squads, and then we can each shoot with these guys and and work, you know, talk with them and just get to know, you know. Yeah get the boys to the north so they're all good dudes and uh it's it's fun to it's fun to see it's funny because we get to know the guys down here you see a lot of familiar faces and up there it's like man i didn't know i knew some guys i hunted with and you know the md and 
other than that, a lot of new faces. So uh, a guy from yeah. came over from Sweden, I believe, and he came and chatted with me. So that was fun that he flew all the way over there. And, and um, you know, so a couple guys from MDT I saw, you know, Josh Botha was there and some, some good dudes like that. So that was fun to see those guys at MDT supporting. And, um, yeah, so – we did. Uh, oh, and I saw well, Colden. We'll give a shout out to Colden. He's a how old is he? Thirteen. Yeah, Colden uh, Cloud. I I've, I've been uh, kind of coaching him up. Yeah, uh, he's just he's a killer. Super props to him. He got his first top ten yep. finish, and yeah, he's a, a thirteen year old young man. Uh, just a super kid. Uh, just a great shooter. So yeah. I'm I'm proud of him. I'm gonna keep working with him and. Uh, he got one of his milestones out of the way, which was a, a top 10 finish. So now we're going to go to top five and top three and then uh, match win. So yeah, we'll see what we can do. Yeah, it was cool. I, met, I think they're from Texas. So mm-hmm. I met him and his dad. They're both just great guys. Yep. So that was that was cool. And then uh, just shout out to Robert Gordon took second and Tanner New uh, took third. Uh, so it was it was uh it was good and and pay no attention to the ars memes canadians that's all in good fun and i I have nothing to do with that i don't know i don't i got a laugh out of it but i don't know if i approve or not so (laughs) anyway there was a there was a there was a bit of a point gap but it was uh they were all everybody was super cool up there so it was uh it was fun so anyway you know there's a couple things that i learned at, at this particular match and that i've been working on uh that kind of kind of deals with wind. And so yeah. we had some questions recently uh, through our feed and, and on Facebook and Instagram, some emails just about uh, mirage and wind and wind strength. And so I just wanted to spend a couple minutes yeah. chat with some of the listeners. Um, hey, we got uh, a lot of different ways to look at wind, but uh, maybe there's a couple things on, on what we can do to figure out our exact wind values. And, so what I, you know, what I've been kind of working on is where my, my percentages are on wind values based off of everything as a, a 12 o'clock, um, mm-hmm. target. And I just base everything off of a clock. And yep. so my target's always going to be 12 o'clock. Okay. And I know that a three o'clock wind. So someone coming from the three o'clock is always going to be hundred percent wind value. Yep. And what I'm, what I'm kind of realizing is through 100% wind value, I go to 2.30 on the clock, and that's going to be about a 96%. I still take that wind value, and I still make that 100%. Um, okay. What, you, you, what reason? So, so I'm still making that 100% because I'm just rounding up from 96.5% based off of the, co- you know, the cosine okay. value okay. of that 15 degrees. So basically what I'm doing is I'm taking my 12 o'clock wind and my 3 o'clock wind, and there's 90 degrees in there. And so based off of the 90 degrees and my cosine, you know, my cosine value, uh, that's going to be a 96%. I'm just going to round that up to a hundred because, mm-hmm. um, it's just going to make it super easy for me. And it's going to be really hard for me to tell the difference in when based off of a two thirty value or a, uh, two forty value, something like that. So yep. if I'm 96 or 98, I'm just going to round up by that few percent to a hundred. Um, and then I'm going to go to the two o'clock wind. my two o'clock wind is going to be somewhere in the 86% range because that's going to be now 30 degrees. Okay. And so every, obviously with from 12 o'clock to three o'clock, you have 90 degrees. And so if you divide that down from 12, 12, 31, 132, all the way down, you're going to have what 15 degrees per section of that clock. 
Mm-hmm. And so then you can take those, those cosine values and figure out the strength of your wind. So for example, a lot of people think, okay, 130 wind, it's, it's basically right in between a head up wind and a three o'clock wind. And a lot of people are thinking, okay, well, that's a half value. That's actually not a half value. That's not how wind works. Um, that's a 75% value. And so what we're going to do is we're going to take that 75% value, um, you know, for that 130 wind. A true half value wind is a wind that's coming from the one o'clock. And so, okay. so what I've been trying to do is figure out wind direction, uh, how it relates from a 12 to three o'clock. And one cool thing that I want maybe some, uh, some listeners to try is uh, directionality with uh, using directionality from Mirage and Binos. And so if you know that the Mirage is going, let's just call it left to right, mm-hmm. but you don't know uh, where it's going. Uh, if it's going left to right, it could be going at the 1230. It could be going at the 130, the 2, the 230, um, mm-hmm. or the 3 o'clock. And you don't, you don't really know where it's going. So one of the cool things that we were learning is just taking our binos or our spotting scope wherever we're at. And what we're going to do is we're going to take that and we're going to spin around and we're, we're, we're going to stay in the exact same spot. We're going to spin around with our binos and we're going to see where the mirage is going. So if the mirage is still going left to right, you know it's not coming straight towards you. You should always be able to tell where that mirage is going based off of your binos at your position because you can look straight into the mirage and you can see the boil come straight up. So now you know if you're looking straight into the mirage and it's coming straight up, that's exactly where the wind's going. And now you go back to your target and you can judge your your clock based off of that. So, okay, so you're saying um, you're looking, say the target's 12 o'clock straight in front of you and you're yep. seeing a left to right. So now you're saying to turn your body and your binoculars 90 degrees to the left and see if you're looking right into the mirage. Uh, it, it could be 90 degrees. Maybe you're just going to turn 30 degrees. Maybe it's 60 yep. degrees. Okay. Um, Straight you know, you into the wind. You don't know where it is. But yep. what you're going to do is you're going to turn into the mirage um, and see where it's boiling straight up. And then you know exactly where the mirage is or, you know, where the wind's coming from because the mirage no longer has mm-hmm. a left to right movement or a right to left movement. So that makes sense. directionality is pretty easy to see with mirage. If it's boiling straight up, you know that that's the exact direction. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. That's interesting. I haven't done that. I haven't. I usually just generally look towards the target and judge the mirage. But that, yeah, I definitely I'll have to give that a shot. That's interesting. So it's just a new way to kind of, um, you know, Brian Pence and I, we were talking about it. It's just a different way to to check mirage. It's a yeah. different way to check wind direction. Yep. And then, you know, after you find out that wind direction, you can really base it off of those 90 degrees from 12 to three, that's the easiest way for me to find out where the wind is going from. And we, we very well should do a video or, you know, we might do a video yeah. on something like this. It very, it, it, it probably a lot easier to see with a picture diagram or something, but yeah, no, that um, makes sense. So you could, I think you could walk through that, especially if we could get some, you know, some footage through some optics where the mirage was thick enough to see. No, that yeah. makes, that makes perfect sense to me. I was this, I did a lot of that this weekend. Just, we, we were in a wide, if anyone doesn't know, like Alberta, Southern Alberta, it is flat and wide open. There's not a tree or bush to be seen forever. It's just grass everywhere as far as you can see. And so the wind was actually pretty straightforward and easy because it was, you know, nothing to route it or twist it or turn it like hills or mountains or draws or valleys. And so, 
I did a lot of just, I would turn my body, you know how I stand like till I'd move around till I face exactly into the wind. And then I point my arm at the wind and my arm at the target. And I just yeah. do, I do that all the time. So it's, <laughs> it's doing the same thing without glass, yeah. but I like the idea, especially, you know, Alberta was so straightforward, uh, because it was so open, but that's a, that's a very rare thing that doesn't happen. I mean, really, this is the first time I've shot at such an, oh, I don't know if there's any places like this. I mean, you go to the Midwest, maybe in a flat cornfield type of thing, but even they have trees and, and, and yeah. river bottoms and stuff. This was just, it's just amazing what it looks like out there. But, that's cool. um, so yeah, that's interesting because you know, with the bigger terrain, you could see Mirage, you know, maybe yep. further out or coming down or, or, you know, you might be able to see things as you pay attention. I think that goes back to the focus it takes, um, to, to push through two days of shooting where, you know, sometimes it's easier than others, but when it's hot, like you mentioned, or nasty to keep that level of, of attention and focus of thinking about it and working on it and really trying to make a decision before it's your turn to shoot. So, yeah. And one thing that we did in Colorado, obviously it was hot. There was lots of mirage. We were seeing it all over the place, Mm -hmm. but we're shooting in a lot of different directions. We're shooting straight to the East. And then we, uh, go to another stage and, and, and maybe we're, you know, Northeast now, and then we kind of flip over and now we're shooting a different direction. Mm-hmm. And so it's not necessarily just all the same direction. Uh, every single stage really has to be recalibrated and rethought about as far as what the wind's doing. Yeah. Sometimes we might get into a, a little bit of a lull where four or five or six stages are the same. And so what do we do? We get really lazy and we just keep the wind the same in the Kestrel as it's been for the last four or five stages. Well, you could not do that in Colorado because everything was changing all the time. The direct was always changing. Um, and obviously the velocity was changing a little bit and, uh, where we were shooting was changing. So it was a, it was definitely a unique and challenging perspective. That's cool. I love it. I love it when you can pay attention. I get pretty lazy when it's like, yeah, it's going to just be left edge hold. So don't even think about it. Just wait for your turn. <laughs> I love when yeah, you got to keep, keep cranking and, and try to keep it, keep it figured out. No, that's a good, that's good. I want to play with that. That's interesting. So, um, how often were you guys doing that during the match or were you just talking about it afterwards or when did you start yeah, to think so about we were, that? We were practicing some things. We were uh, talking about that, um, as we were listening to some other stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. and if, if you can get to a point where you know the exact wind direction, then, uh, obviously velocity is pretty easy to tell. We're going to be able to hold our Kestrels up. We're going to be able to see what that wind velocity is. We obviously know the higher we go in the air, we're going to gain a little bit of velocity um, mm-hmm. for that wind. And, you know, as we start to figure out the exact direction, it's going to allow us to take our multiplier, which I just talked about the cosine numbers of, you know, three o'clock being a hundred uh, percent value, uh, you know, one thirty being a 75% value, mm-hmm. so on and so forth. If we can get those values exactly where we want, you know, we know, okay, with a 10 mile an hour wind, um, I'm going to hold, you know, X amount at X distance and let's mm-hmm. just call it 1.5 mil at a thousand yards, yeah. uh, for a one, for a 100% three mile an hour or a, a three o'clock win. As soon as we move that to a one thirty, really, it's pretty simple. And, and the math is pretty simple. Uh, it's a 75% value of that number. And it really makes it, um, you know, simple to be able to try to get those first round impacts or at least get a little bit closer based off yeah. of the math, based off of what, you know, our, our stuff's telling us. Yeah. And, 
it's, you know, for that, uh, we were trying that we were looking at that. I was actually out today looking at some Mirage and trying to figure out, okay, what direction is it coming? And I started uh, right out in front of me, right towards the target. I saw that it was, you know, the target straight out at the 12 o'clock mm-hmm. and I just moved to my left a little bit and I looked through the binos and saw the Mirage again. It's still moving left to right. I kept moving. It's still moving left to right. I kept moving. And finally I saw where it was boiling straight up, That's cool. which means, you know, it's coming right in my face at that point. Yep. Um, and now I know the exact direction of the wind and, and I can take that right in my face and I can point back to the target and I can know my, my, you know, the, the absolute directionality of where the wind's going. And then I can put that into my system. Yeah. I like that. I like that. I want to play with that. That's, I like that. That's a good tip. Yeah. You guys have to check it out and see what you think. I'm going to do the same. So that's a, I haven't heard anybody talk about that before. That's interesting. So let's talk about a little bit of uh, kind of stage design. You talked about a pretty tough match up in mm-hmm. up in uh, Canada. I had a tough match down here in Colorado. Uh, man, I tell you what, I really like these tough matches. I think yeah. they're awesome. Yeah, this is definitely this is like the age old debate. I just I was on the phone with you know with uh, three of the different guys. I talked to Sean and Chad and Landon. Uh, today up there again and just was you know asking well you know what was too hard what was too easy ryan said you know he's got a lot of positive comments ryan mclean he just again i want to thanks to him and you could when you when you go to the matches where you it's so evident at you know after i've shot so many and you've shot so many it's so evident to see when the match directors really put a lot of effort into it and it's really easy to see when they mail it in and right. it was really easy to see that Ryan put a lot of thought and a lot of effort into the targets, the layouts, the positions. And, and so anyway, props to him again. All that being said, cool. it's tough. And so a lot of guys, there, were, there was a lot of positivity is what Ryan said. And um, there was also, um, you know, the question of, well, why can't we get guys to, you know, maybe the instead of the bottom guys being in the 20 or 15 or 30 percent, I didn't I need to look at the scores a little closer towards the bottom. You know, the guys with, you know, 10 and 20 percent. Why can't we get those guys to be at the 40, 50 percent? And then the winner is going to be. I mean, I see, I see that's the breakdown is is you know how do you make a fair match and so that was a discussion we was having with ryan what could we have changed or you know what could he have changed if i had any ideas i you know i had a couple minor things just really you know trying to find something for him and there were a few things but not there were there were minor just i mean not hardly worth mentioning and and he already knew him when i brought him up he's like absolutely yep that, you know i wouldn't do that again and, and just just some small stuff though and so I talked to some other guys and they're like, well, you know, I, I, it'd be nice if we could hit a few more. And then you start to break it down of, you know, the target sizes, they seem pretty adequate. There were a couple small ones, but I mean, there were, there were small, but you know, where, where's that line of how big, how big, anyway, it's a discussion. So, uh, you, you know, what are your thoughts on, I, so here's one of the comments that one of the guys said, and this is, is it talks about down here is the feel good stage. What are your thoughts on the feel good stage? First of all, what what is a feel good stage? Um, and then uh, and then talk about that for a second. I, I think a feel good stage is a stage where you're going to hit a lot of of targets and very well might clean it. Um, mm-hmm. In my opinion, I kind of relate that to uh, say, for example, you're at a golf course and 
you get the next 100 golfers on the putting green to hit a six inch putt in. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't matter. So that, that's a, that's kind of a feel good putt, a real, yep. you know, that's called a gimme, yep. a six inch putt. How many of those 100 golfers are going to be able to hit that putt in? Let's just call it 99, yep. 99 golfers out of a hundred are going to hit that in. It doesn't matter if the golfer is a kid, a grandma, a pro golfer, an amateur golfer, whoever, it's still going to be about 99 out of a hundred because it's a, mm-hmm. it's a gimme putt. Yep. Uh, and that's kind of how I relate to some of the gimme stages is I say, okay, well, what are we, you know, what are we after here and why are we doing this? For one, I think it allows more shooters to hit targets. And so obviously everybody likes hitting steel. Everyone likes making putts on the golf course. That's all fine and dandy, but what, what does it do for the shooters and what does it not do? I think it allows those shooters to hit more targets, mm-hmm. but I don't think it's a fair representation um, on paper of who the actual golfers or, you know, who actually uh, is, is maybe working on that. So for example, on, on that golf course, 99 out of a hundred are tied, uh, you know, with a perfect score. And so they are the, on paper, they're the exact same golfer. Yeah. They have all the same skill level. They've practiced yep. the same amount, et cetera, et cetera. Yep. Because all you see is that they've they've made that particular putt. Yep. And so I don't necessarily know. I, I, I've run matches in a lot of different uh, ways as well. I've run some bigger target meatball matches where the winner dropped one target mm-hmm. all weekend. <laughs> and I've also done some tough stages where our tough uh, – uh, matches where the winner hit 50%. I think maybe Austin or gain won yeah. my match two years ago. And I think it was either 46% or 52% or something like that. And that was the winner. Yeah. I um, think that's the hardest match I've ever shot to this day. Yeah. And it, it was, a, it was a tough match. There was lots of wind. Lots. Yeah. It was, you know, pretty uh, challenging targets, lots of challenging positions, mm-hmm. but you knew real quick uh, who came prepared yep. and, and who was actually, you know, um, yeah. I, and I, I don't, there's no I, surprises I, in the top and that's uh, going back to the meatball or your, your putting analogy is, is all those guys make it. So now I, I'm as good a golfer as tiger. We each made the same putt and everybody yep. knows that's exactly. not true. And so when you put a target, um, or a match, so I don't want to throw anybody under the bus, but last year's PRS finale was, <laughs> I guess I'm throwing someone under the bus. <laughs> it was, it was big, it was big targets. And so I had a rough day one and on day two, I, we shot 10 stages and I didn't miss. So I cleaned the entire day two. So yeah. you think you, you know, you pick up a bunch of ground. Well, you pick up a few shots, but everybody else, else also only dropped four shots or five shots. And so there was no, even if I shot as, you know, I shot as good as possible, but I still didn't shoot that good because their targets were so big. Yeah. There, there's no separation in the, the results. Are, it just, it's just weird when you have targets. I, 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 it's hard to explain. It's just, you don't get a separation. Um, it, it, people could be, so, how do you say, how do you say this? I'm, I'm not, I'm at a loss for words. Here. <laughs> well, no, you know what? And, you know, kind of to, to backtrack a little bit, yeah. um, is a, a lot of our, our, 
you know, we, you and I, John, are in a in a, a different class than 80% of shooters because we've shot a lot, we've practiced a lot, yeah. and we have a lot of results to say that. So it, it really is kind of a weird situation. And some people might say, well, they're just saying that because they've shot a lot. It's true. It's true. <laughs> you know, absolutely. Yeah. You know, we have shot a lot and we're very fortunate to be able to uh, yeah. do that. You know, the question is, is that where is that line of, are we out here? Is this a competition or are we in the backyard hanging out with our buddies and just want to play and hit some steel? And that's where, that's a good, that's point. where my competition, you know, that's where, uh, when I run competitions, when I run matches, I want them to be fair across the board. I want every shot to be a reasonable challenge. And so when I say that, I want it to be a tough shot. Every single shot, 220 shots, mm-hmm. I want to be a challenge. You know, I want to make it a challenge for the shooter. Yeah. Um, and if he works hard and he pulls a good shot, I want him to be rewarded mm-hmm. with getting the impact. I don't want it to be the other way around where you have to pull a really, really, really bad shot to miss. Agreed. Um, Because sometimes we've shot matches where the targets are maybe big or the positions are big enough where we have to, we, as in the entire shooting community, has to pull a really bad shot to miss that target off of that position. Yeah. Um, And I, I don't necessarily know if that's the right way I, I don't know what you know what the right answer is in that situation, but I don't know if that's the right way to challenge the shooters and have a fair representation yeah. of, of all the shooters. And what I hear the most is I hear the, most of the people that I talk to in that top top 20 to top five, you know, mm-hmm. you know, so it's really not the person in first, second, third, fourth, fifth mm-hmm. that I hear this from. It's mostly the people that are in the, the the fifth to the 20th rank Mm -hmm. and those are the people that i'm hearing from a lot saying okay that was actually a little bit too easy because what happens is they go out and they have a career day they shoot really really well Mm -hmm. and they don't and they don't make up any ground over the guy that finished you know uh four points back and he was in 50th spot yeah Uh, so that's kind of where i'm hearing it's like those guys are practicing they're working really hard they want to improve and with some of these matches, they, they aren't seeing those results, if that makes any sense. Yeah, you know, they aren't seeing yeah. the improvement because the matches aren't allowing them to see where that's coming from, I guess. Yeah, some matches. I, I'd say a vast majority, yeah, vast majority are really good. I'm not, I don't throw any, I'm not trying to throw anyone under the bus. Most, Absolutely, there's a lot of yeah. great matches. The feel-good stage in particular would be, so a specific example would say you got you know, a couple tough, tough stages, some small targets, some long range, some, some quick movement, some fast times, whatever it may be, and then you throw in, say, a 100% IPSC target. Which, what are the dimensions on 100% IPSC? 30 by 18. So 30 by 18. So a pretty big target. Say someone hangs out at, you know, four, five, six hundred yards. That's a very generous target. And then you and then you have some pretty relatively easy positions. And so some match directors have, you know, will say, hey, let's make it easy one so it feels good for people. Well, essentially those become throwaway stages because say you get 60% of the people clean them. So it doesn't, I guess you get a feeling that feels good. So it does accomplish that. However, 
and, and, and again, coming from my perspective, and I know it's, it's unique is I'm, I'm very competitive. I'm going to these, the national level shoots to be challenged. And the more points, the more shots we can take, the more you can prove yourself and the more it shakes out to whoever was the best shooter that weekend. When you put in the meatball matches, it essentially reduces the number of shots taken. So say there's or meatball stages or or feel good stages. Say you put in five of those out of 20. Well, you you essentially say 50, 60, 70% of the field cleans that or drops one. So now you've taken five, six, seven stages. You've taken, you know, 50 to 70 rounds out of the match to make them meaningless for the top, easily the top 40 guys. Now those are meaningless stages and you bring the shots for the weekend, the meaningful shots for the weekend down to a hundred, 120. And we're trying to sort out every weekend we travel and go to these, who the best shooter is. And I want us, I want to know. And if I shoot the best that weekend, I want to know it. And sometimes those, those kind of stages can skew, can skew results or, they're just not useful. And again, this is my opinion. I, match directors have a, a difficult job. There is a balance there. You don't want every stage to be super hard. Um, but it's just, it is, it's, a, it's a thing that, it's a discussion that comes up a lot. And this is what Ryan and I were talking about and about his being a little tough. And I know that, I know the mile high match is a tough match. I heard the, there was a Hornady PRC match this weekend. I heard was, was, had some tough stuff. And I don't, I don't know a lot about that, but I heard it was tough. And there's, there's, there's definitely some of those. And, and there's also been some easy ones across the country where the scores just skewed like crazy. Um, so, and I, I've put one on so on I'm purpose. As yeah. Much to, I'm, I'm as much to blame. I wanted to see, okay, who's going to be the survival of the fittest at this particular match. Mm-hmm. Who's going to drop the least amount of shots. Mm-hmm. Uh, it didn't necessarily separate, um, separate the talent level because you had a lot of different shooters that typically uh, place in the, uh, you know, let's call it, they typically shoot 50% um, of the match points. Mm -hmm. So if there's 200 shots over the weekend, their typical score is going to be about a hundred. Well, in this particular match, they were able to hit 160 out of 200 or, you know, something substantially more than they have in the past. Now my times were still the exact same. I didn't change the, the, you know, the course of fire toughness was the same. The only thing I changed was the targets uh, to try to figure out, okay, who's going to be able to uh, keep that in there. You know, who's going to be able to, to keep their head in the game the longest. Um, So there is, there is a, a weird dynamic. I've actually run one of these, so-called meatball stages or meatball matches. Yeah. Um, and you know, that's, you know, why I did it. Well, that's, not, that's beyond the point. It's just a matter of <laughs> just, kind well, of, you know, and just prove it. Just, you know, it was, yeah, it's a, it's a topic that's been come up. You're kind of making a point or, or kind of seeing if you could do it over here with, with wind you generally get, there's a variety of reasons, but yeah. Yeah. Well, and we usually get a lot more wind in the West. And so yeah. I said, you know what, I've seen some high percentage scores, um, you know, throughout the country at different matches, you know, what kind of, you know, scores can our shooters over here get? Obviously I'm not shooting. It doesn't benefit. It actually hurts me it does, yeah. uh, to run a match like that because now everyone gets more points. Um, you, and yeah, so it, it, it doesn't benefit me at all. No, it doesn't. 
No, that's, and that's, you know, we're, you know, just talking in circles, kind of having a discussion about it, trying to figure it out. The same thing I did with Ryan is like, I don't know. I mean, the venue he's on with the flat and the grass, it's hard. I don't care how big a target you, you put on. There was, there were some big targets on a few stages and guys would miss. You can't see where they go. And so venues can make things hard or easy. There's a variety of reasons. And, and, and that's why I said, when you go, you, it's, it's real easy to see if a match director mails it in or puts effort into it. Um, and there's a lot that put tons of effort to it. I'd say the vast majority put tons of effort into it. Um, and it's, it's awesome. So just trying to think through the, the, you know, the, 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 the meatball or the gimme stages and the guys up there were like, yeah, but it's, it's fun. And, and they've got an absolute point and a point of, you know, the, in Canada, the sports, you know, like I said, it's newer. So what, where is the point of, well, let's throw some more of these in here. So the guys have more fun and come back. That's a completely valid point. Um, yeah. to me in an ideal world, I would say, you know, those guys are running this the Saparel, the Southern Alberta, the precision rifle league. Um, if you're up there, check that out on Facebook. I think it's just, it's S-A-P-R-L um, or so, uh, Southern Alberta Precision Rifle League. So check that out if you're in that area. I think they, they do have a lot of club level matches and do a good job. But in an ideal world, I would say, okay, you know, run some slower times, run some bigger targets at the club match, experiment with, you know, have a, a feel good and have a hard stage and go and go back and forth. That's what club level's for. And, and then in my ideal world, when we get to the two days, let's make them. I don't want them too tough. I don't want to sit there and shoot MOA targets at a thousand yards all the time. I think you can you can skew results the wrong way and induce and you know induce a lot of luck into it if you go too small. There is a sweet spot, but yep. I would like to see those two days be just like what Ryan did and you know what you experienced at Mile High and where we experienced in a lot of these matches. Most of them have it right, but some of them skew a little easy. And I'd say let's keep that in the club level area until your club shooters are asking for harder, more difficulty. Hey, let's it's up the challenge a little bit and continue to grow to prepare themselves for two days, the bigger, you know, the bigger matches, the nationals. So, um, I mean, that's that's my feeling about it. But it's a hard it's hard to put your finger on it. You know, you know, what's right and what's wrong. And it depends on the wind and the locations. There's so many variables. It's difficult. But and it, in my opinion, it's not necessarily all about the target size. It could be about the course of fire as well. Yep. So what positions are you running? Are you Absolutely. Uh, doing multiple position, multiple target? Uh, you know, how are you making the shooter think? What are you doing to um, do different things? Every single target can be hittable over the entire weekend and can be, can be pretty darn generous. Yeah. But you can challenge shooters by, uh, you know, putting them on a 90-second clock and doing five different positions and each position is a a target at 300 yards and a target at 600 yards now you start to figure out okay you either got a dial or and i might run out of time or i got a hold and take a little bit of a hasty shot and those things are starting to to figure out okay that's all actually a lot better than just putting one moa targets up absolutely super tough because now you're able to uh, navigate through the stage of do I want to try to get all these shots off and and hustle, or do I want to maybe take my time and try to get my six or seven or eight hits? And that's a really good way to challenge the shooters. It's mm-hmm. not it's not always, um, and in my opinion, it's almost never about target size. Yeah, it's always about course of fire. Um, that's and a really good point. 
That's a really good point. I I couldn't agree more. I and we got stuck on I got stuck on target size. I can't agree more. Like you can make some big targets very very challenging, and you can make small targets easy depending on where you put them and stuff. So absolutely. So yeah. Um. And so I think uh, I mean you know we've probably beat that a little bit. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> I, uh, there's a lot more <laughs> if we think of something. It was just fresh on my mind because I was talking to Ryan and just you know we see these at different we you know going to so many different yeah. matches all over the place. So yeah. Anyway. And I, 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 I've been to a lot of really good matches lately. Um, yep. uh, you know, this entire year I've been to a lot of really good matches and so yeah. I'm fortunate to, to see different things and the ways that different match directors are running it. Maybe it's something I haven't thought of and now I can take back to my match and, and throw into my match in a, in a unique way. And I've made a lot of mistakes running, um, you know, doing uh, stages that just didn't work out or they were mm-hmm. too tough or they were too easy, uh, you know, whatever as well. And so it's, it's always about adapting and learning, yeah. um, new, yeah. new ways to do it. I think, you know, one of the big things is for the match directors to actually get out, uh, go, go visit other matches, go shoot other matches, mm-hmm. go be a part of other matches, whether you're ROing or volunteering or, you know, whatever you're doing, because then you're going to be able to see how other people do it and yep. you're going to be able to see how their flow is and how their stages are instead of being stuck in the, you know, in one mindset, um, you actually get to kind of, uh, kind of diversify how you're thinking matches could be run. And maybe it's something unique that, that works with your setup or with whatever. So, yep. you know, bottom line is, to you know, point. just kind of try to, try to figure out uh you know how to do stuff better and better every single match yeah absolutely no we did we uh, yeah that's good i'm sure there'll be some we'll come up with some other ideas that's good um we probably should we we're up we're put we're getting uh, what are we hour and 15 we're cranking along here let's uh real quick the hunting rifle update by 65 prc um i think i'm just about done with load development i think i'm going to run the 147 hornadies they seem to be shooting the best run an h1000 around 2900 it ran up a lot faster never did hit pressure but 2900 seems to be uh shooting pretty good at 600 i'm gonna take it out to a thousand hopefully tomorrow night or the next night and and finish up that gun running um uh, using that gunworks brass pretty uh pretty good stuff i've been pretty impressed with that um it's on the curtis uh the axiom 24 inch proof barrel got that mesa precision stock gonna put switch that three to three to six to 18 scope on there so that's coming along good the my norma 300 norma is gonna start uh this week or uh probably this weekend or starting next week so i'll give you some more updates on that it's gonna be built around a curtis helix action with a 26 inch proof carbon so i'll give you more details as i work through that so that's coming up quick sheep punts coming up a couple weeks so really trying to get that PRC wrapped up and finished up and getting in shape and all that stuff. So that's the, that's the hunting update. I'll keep you guys posted on that. So probably do probably do Jake and I were talking about this a little bit, try to do a, we've been driving up there with Ben, my buddy, um, long time friend, you know, since I was born, <laughs> we know, known each other our whole life. So probably do a little recording and try to share some of that, some hunt updates with you guys on that too. So anyway, um, and then you'll see anything else when you discuss notes or, you know, um, uh, get on, uh, episode seven guys yeah. and, uh, like it, uh, tag a couple friends. Uh, this is going to be episode eight. So do that on episode seven, all those different likes and tags. We're going to 
throw into a random draw and we're going to assign each person a number yep. and we'll actually do that drawing uh, live on episode 10 yep. and you'll be able to hear who that winner is. And then, so when you hear your name called, uh, reach out on uh, Facebook messenger to us mm-hmm. or Instagram messenger and shoot me your, um, your address and I will uh, get that trigger out in the mail to you. Uh, really excited about that. Um, yeah, you know, trigger tank diamond baby for Remington 700. Money. That's right. So that's, right. that's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm glad. Thanks again to Trigger Tech for doing that. It's fun to be able to to do that. We've had a couple other companies uh, reach out, which is super cool. You know, uh, so I think probably Keep do some more, more giveaways in the future. So if you know, uh, looking forward to that. We'll share those details later. But um, yeah, a couple more episodes. We'll draw a winner. So just tag a couple of buddies that you think would be benefit from hearing this. We're trying to get the word out. Uh, we appreciate your guys' uh, messages, getting a lot of them, uh, comments. We appreciate that. We love hearing from you guys. So again, sometimes we don't get back to you as fast as we like, but we're working through them. And and we've we've got more questions. We'll jump. We'll do that more on another episode. But we're running long here. So. Um, yeah, and this is, again, VP8, like Jake said. Uh, make sure you leave that on the Trigger Tech post on Episode 7, Facebook and Instagram. And uh, what's what's coming up for you? I have the August, I guess, first and second or second and third is the August, uh, Idaho PRS match uh, down at Parma. Oh, cool. And then I have the Rock Lake NRL match, which is end of August here, and then middle of august i have the prs qualifier match in montana so those are my next three matches what about you awesome yeah i think i want to try to get to that that montana match um and then rock lake as well um i I actually need to sign up for rock lake brian called me today pence was like did you sign up i was like no he goes you better hurry up squatting's filling up so i just it got away from me so i got to get on there sorry doug and um get signed up uh, but right now my focus after this match is all hunting. So I've, we're growing a little family camp out this weekend. I'm taking my hiking boots and my pack. I throw some weight in there and going to try to hike some mountains in the morning early and start to get in shape. Uh, I mean, I'm in decent shape, but I want to, I want to get the pack weight on and, and work on some muscles I don't normally feel. So kind of getting ready for hunting, getting camera gear ready, getting, you know, clothes and food and, all that kind of hunting side of things ready to go. So breaking in, been breaking in boots the last couple of months and just all that kind of stuff. So that's what's the big thing for me is coming up. I leave here on the 27th. So that's, uh, what is that? Two weeks coming up. Well, shoot, that's only 11 days away. <laughs> oh my goodness. So that's, that's the big thing for me coming up. I'm excited about that. So anyway. right cool. All right. Well, VP precision episode number eight. Uh, until next time, guys, thanks for listening. And we'll talk to you later. Doodles.